Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing? Yeah, it's great. Great to see you guys. Thanks for being here at the 1030 um, service. I uh, hope everybody is well. A couple quick announcements to uh, just mention. Um, got a couple great studies going on, ladies, every Wednesday right here at 9.30 a.m. Um, going through a wonderful study um, through the book of Numbers, talking about being in the wilderness. Just great stuff. You can see Michelle. It's at 9.30 every Wednesday right here. Also, ladies, Mid-Valley at uh, Kylie Sanders' house. Wonderful study going on there every week as well. That's on Tuesday evenings down there. And uh, gentlemen, right here, bright and early every Thursday morning, 6.30 a.m. at Forge Aspen. And uh, John Columbus' lead, uh, team's leading us through the book of Acts, which... What did I see? Uh, Wednesday morning, excuse me, Men Forge right here, 6.30 a.m. Wednesday morning, um, which is uh, just great. All are welcome. And gentlemen, Mid-Valley, every Friday, Preston Files and Brian Reagan lead the Forge Mid-Valley every uh, Friday, and that's uh, 6.30 Friday morning. So a bunch of great places to step in, and uh, that's probably what we just encourage you to do. Take that next step, whatever that next step is, to get plugged in into community and start growing. And we're in a series on discipleship, and uh, that's where we really want to go. That's what Jesus really is calling us to is this step of discipleship. And um, so we just want uh, people to really pray and think about. They want to engage each other. What is this all about, this discipleship thing? And so we're going to continue that series. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. If you want to turn there, verses 25 through 35, um, this might be the most challenging section of discipleship in the entire gospel. Um, this series, if you've been with us, um, welcome those watching online as well. We have been journeying through the Gospel of Luke and dropping in along the way as Jesus is moving with his disciples, his 12 and the larger group of disciples, towards Jerusalem, towards going to the cross. And he's along the way calling people to come and follow him. And we've been dropping into these very specific discipleship passages along the way, trying to get our arms around this idea of this to restore back to the church, especially in America, and obviously us here right now, this, this, the importance of the Great Commission to go and make disciples. What does that mean? I can't make disciples unless I've first been discipled. What is that all about? What does that look like? And so these are the things we've been diving into um, in this series. So this morning, we're coming to, uh, as I said, Luke 14, 25 through 35, and I just throw out this idea. What does it mean to be all in? You hear that terminology all the time. What does it mean to be all in? And what in your life are you all in, in for, <laughs> right? Um, you know, we could talk about everything from sports, you know, what does it look like to be all in? If you're a basketball fan, this is March Madness, which... You know, it's, there's a lot of folks that look like they're all in, right? But what does that look like? Um, but for your work, what does it look like to be all in when it comes to your vocation, when it comes to a cause that uh, you're all about? What does that look like to be all in on that, an investment or whatever it may be? What is, do what? Well, we're getting there. Thank you. That's just the next thing, right? It's one thing to talk about being all in on vocate, these things, right? But let's vamp it up, right? Yeah, what about marriage? What does that look like? Especially in this climate today, this crazy relational climate that we're in as a society. What is, right, where marriage has just been set aside as just kind of swept away its sanctity, its glory, what it is. What does it mean to be all in, 
right, when it comes to marriage? Or what about friendship? How about that one? Right, in this age of isolation and, and um, <clears throat> individualism, what about friendship? What does it look like to be all in when it comes to friendship? And uh, folks, you know, friend, it doesn't happen organically. Good friendships, lifelong friendships that are life-giving, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes a prayer. And one of the things we pray about all the time right here is this blessing. One of the huge blessings that God promises us is faith friends. If we follow him, part of the body of Christ, his church and his people, is that, is that what, with the blessing that comes out of that is faith friends, lifetime friends that are built with a kindred spirit that you're all in for each other, right? It's not just kind of up and down with the seasons, but there is a growing sense of, of all in. You know we have this strength, right, when we have a sense of friendship. So what does that look like, right, to be all in when it comes to friendship, you know? And um, so I, I just, then let's vamp it up even further. What does it look like to be all in when it comes to following Jesus? And, and I just ask you, have you ever really had to wrestle with that. And that's exactly where I'm going to give us, or Jesus, I should say, is going to give us, I don't know, five or six questions that are discipleship questions, tough stuff. And, and the, it cannot be fleshed out outside of a discipleship context. It, it can't be, you can't sit in church and, and, and work this stuff out we're going to talk about here this morning. You can't sit even in a Bible study and flesh out what we're going to talk about this morning. The stuff we're going to talk about this morning are deep questions of our soul that have to be worked out in a small group of women who are committed to one another to say, hey, we're going to, with someone hopefully leading that, this little further down the line maybe or something, but we're going to learn what it is to follow Jesus. What does it really mean to be a disciple or follower of Jesus or a group of men? Right, they get together, and, and the, there's a sense of exposure, vulnerability, a sense of commitment that, look, I, I want to, I'm willing to flesh this out. What does this look like to be a follower of Jesus and, and to have my soul and these things changed, you know? What does it mean to be all in for Jesus? The problem in America, well, one of the many problems in the church in America right now that's being fleshed out. This last year has exposed the church its deficit in discipleship. Right, greatly just expose that, right? And we're seeing the fallout of, of that. And I'm not going to spend time on in, in, you know all of those stats and everything going on. But it is revealed, right? When the pressure goes on, is that boy? We have not equipped our people to truly, in their own soul, really live from the Bible, really have their security and their faith, rather than fear and everything else. You know, to be able to stand in the midst of tough times and without discipleship. Right is, uh, again, the Great Commission. Is, this is it. And, and we've watered that term down. We've kind of put other things on it that, oh, you know, that, that's, I, I go to church, I go to this study or that study. No, that's not discipleship. Discipleship is clear as it could be. It's what Jesus did with the 12. Right? It's a smaller group. And the sole purpose I come together, it's not just to improve my marriage. It's not a finance class. It's not even a study of a book of the Bible. All those things are very important and necessary. But it is simply coming together. Well, like Jesus said, come, let's follow. Let's, let's encourage each other. How do we follow Jesus? What does it look like to be followers of Jesus? What does it look like right, to grow and to experience the promises Right, that are in God's word. What does that look like? And to really encourage each other on, on some of this stuff of, oh, where's my heart on this? Am I really all in? What does that even look like right, in my life? And um, I think something that's real important to say here, gang, is, is we're, this is some tough stuff that's, that's, that we're about to read as we jump in to this, you know, the, this scene as this large crowd is following Jesus. The 12, his inner 12 are there. 
And, uh, and he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And, and along the way, he's engaging people, right? This has been part of our journey. And, and, uh, and asking them to come follow him. And then he's laying out clearly, this is what it, is, what it means, what's required to follow him. Now, the stuff we're going to read here, no one is able to answer, you know, right out of the chute that I'm, I, I get this or I can do any of what we're going to read this morning. Jesus is looking for people, um, as we're going to read, who have ears to hear. He's looking for people who, are, who, who hear his, his wonderful gospel, his call of grace, who are just willing on the inside to step in out of the crowd and to, be a, to follow him and to learn from him. His arms are wide open. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'm telling you right now, we live in a society where people are super weary and heavy laden. And we have the world offering all kinds of solutions to that. There's only one solution ultimately to a weary soul, and that's Jesus. And his arms are wide open. It's a free offer to come and follow him. And so I don't have to, it's religion that says I've got to get my whole life together. I've got to, you know, or to sit back and go, oh, discipleship, that's for those super spiritual people. No. It is for anyone who desires, just willing to come and say, look, I I just want to, I want to get a taste of this. I want to start the journey. I want to be a part of this. That's what he's looking for. This stuff, and just take Peter. Did Peter have it together at this point we're about to step into? Did any of the disciples? They were stinking clueless still, right? And they followed him for three years, right? And look at the amount of time and look what Jesus did to equip them and get them ready when he says, you must bear your own cross if you're gonna follow me. Well, what does that mean? Now, the, you know, we're gonna talk about this here in just a second, but it's not like, oh, I, I, I'm willing to do that. Boom, I'm in. And you know what? We all, if we know Jesus, would say, yeah, I'm willing to do that, hopefully. But do we really know what that means? And you really don't know it ultimately until you know what you're faced with the situation where you have to lay it on the line. You really don't know until you have to make a decision. Am I going to stand with the crowd and the culture or am I going to stand on what Jesus says? Am I willing to take right, the, the, the language and the mockery from the culture because I stand on God's word versus what culture says? We don't really know. And this is the course of discipleship. We've got to have a group, small folks who are praying, who are we're, we're wrestling these things out in the details of life and encouraging each other along the way so that we can have these things, right, formed in us. Does that make sense? I think it's real important to understand that discipleship is for everybody. That's the Great Commission. There's no exception to that. But it, there's no requirement. The only requirement is that I'm willing, Jesus. I see you for who you are. I've received your your forgiveness and I confess you as Lord and Savior of who you are now. I need you, God. As we're gonna see, part of this is is part of this recognition. I can't do life without you, God. I need help. I don't know how to do this. And a lot of us, right, we come to Jesus and whatever happens in our life and, and we get all beat up with, again, religion expectation and some of us have grown up in churches that way, right, where we're just beat up. Here's all the rules, here's, you know, and, and, and nobody has, and, and I'm willing to bet, I'm just gonna generalize again, I hope I'm wrong, but most of the time in talking to people, I'm right, that when you came to faith, no one was there to take your hand and say, now come, be with me, I'm gonna show you how to follow Jesus. I'm gonna take the truth. We're gonna take some time to wrestle through the big questions you have in life and we're gonna journey together. And there might be two of us, might be three of us, might be four, might be five, might be 10 of us. But you know what? We're going to, to do this and we're gonna love on each other. We're gonna pray. We're gonna see God do something. We're gonna mature you from that point of salvation. The problem in American days, we come to the great decision. Somebody comes to Jesus and guess what? They're, they're left floundering around. Now what do I do? 
And the problem is if I'm left floundering around, we can guarantee you what happens, the culture wins out in our life always. Unless, again, there is this, right, this ongoing discipleship, right, that takes place. So with that said, let me dive in. This is Luke 14, 12 through 35. And, and again, just setting the tone, Jesus is, we're, we're moving through, and, and Easter will come to the great, right, resurrection itself. Next week, by the way, is Passover. We're going to uh, dive in um, on the, the Passover next week and, and just what Jesus did here in a discipleship context with his 12 is something uh, wonderful. And actually, next Sunday is part of a week long. Actually, on the Hebrew calendar, that is actual part of, of the real Passover. If you have Jewish friends, they should be celebrating. And um, <clears throat> so we'll have a special time of communion and really talking about what that's all about next week But as we prepare to move into Easter Sunday, which is really technically Resurrection Sunday. Right, where we celebrate the, uh, our risen Lord, okay? So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's, the crowd is growing. He's got his 12. He's got his larger group of disciples. Last week I looked, he sent the 72 out. There's a larger group of people who are all in, who are saying, hey, show me how, right? And, um, <clears throat> but then there's this larger crowd, and that larger crowd is people, you know, it's across the spectrum of people who are, who are just uh, seeing Jesus and asking questions and curious and that's where we step in here in verse 25. Now, great crowds accompanied him, Jesus. And he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and he asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Well, salt is good. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either of the soil or for the manure pile it is thrown away. He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. Um, folks, you know that we've done the absolute opposite. And I, I say this all the time because it's critically important for you to understand. Especially as Americans, we love a crowd. We think a crowd is success. And Jesus, what does Jesus do? We've, we, we do the opposite. We try to maintain the crowd. We try to speak and do whatever we can do to nurture the crowd. What did Jesus do every single time in the Gospels with a crowd? He, he did this. He did that. He turned to them. Right? He didn't coddle them. Didn't give them any kind of, you know, feel-good type thing. Let's, let, or pump her out. What did he do? He, he was mostly concerned, which he is today, about getting people out of the crowd into the core, into being a follower, a genuine disciple after him. 
And the problem, again, what's being revealed this last year is we've done all of a lot of our work of nurturing the crowd and we've never got in, anybody into the core. And we have to ask ourselves, and look at this, where am I? In my journey, where am I? Am I lingering on the fringes? Am I in the crowd? Or have I accepted that call of Jesus into discipleship? In Just a willing, I'm willing. I'm willing to come join. I'm willing to start a journey of discipleship. What does it really mean to to be a Christ follower? Am I willing to be disciples so that I can go and make disciples? This is, this is where the abundance comes. This is where our gifts come alive. This is, and again, everything in all of us says, well, wait a minute, no, I'm not capable of that. I can't do that. That's the enemy. And the whole point of this is, no, you can't. And guess what? I can't either. That's the point, is he can. And he's calling us. Just like the 72 we just read about, he sent them out to do what? The 12 he first sent out, then he sends the 72 out. Who are those 72? They're normal folk. It's not just along with the disciples. And he sent them out to do what? To proclaim, to heal, to deliver. Uh, who are these people? They were just willing. They were willing to step in and be equipped. Did they have the ability, the power, or anything else? No. All they do is make a step in, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to obey the Great Commission. I'm willing to take that step and be vulnerable. I'm willing to just be exposed and let your Holy Spirit do the work you want to do. And boom, the Spirit of God and God gets, gets a part of that and does some amazing, amazing things, right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And folks, again, what is Jesus, again, even this morning, all those watching online and, and others, the, the question is, who's got ears to hear what Jesus, in the, all the noise, and folks, we, <laughs> there's so much noise, isn't there? All the noise, I mean, we're just bombarded with noise and news and, and this and that, and boy, it, who, gee, God is looking, who in the midst of the noise, who's willing to have ears to hear God? I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Where's the hunger? Where's the desire for God, right? And folks, you know that hunger is, there's a, a product of, we, we, let's just take our own town. Where, where, we can say, where's the hunger, right, for God and the desire? Well, the, you know, the, the hunger, how God works, he stirs hunger, as we saw last week, as we, his labors are sent out. And labors can't be sent out unless they are discipled, unless they're equipped. First, to be able to just share our faith, what does that look like? How do I do that? I don't know. That's scary, right? Well, guess what? That is for all of us. We trust the Lord in a discipleship context. And it's when the labors get equipped and the labors get sent out, guess what happens? The harvest comes alive. Hunger comes alive. Because guess what? People are talking about Jesus. They're talking about this most glorious thing in all the earth of what our Lord has done for us. And, and that leads towards people coming in and making a decision for Jesus, and then that leads, it should lead to discipleship. Now, now that you've met Jesus, come on. Let's journey together. Let's journey into the scripture. Let's shore up your deep questions you have. Let's, let's learn to follow him together. What does this mean, right? And let the Spirit of God just bring alive our unique gifting, our unique um, talents and everything else, right, for the kingdom of God. So what I want to do this morning is um, I got a few things. We're just going to walk through these verses. And this is tough stuff, gang, right? I mean, and, um, and it just, I, I'm just going to put it in question format. These would be key discipleship questions. And again, the questions we're going to look at this morning, they cannot be fleshed out in a church service. They cannot be fleshed out in a Bible study. 
They can only be fleshed out in a committed discipleship group. In other words, in a, all we'll do is scratch the surface here this morning, hopefully spark some life that says, man, I, I'm ready, I'm willing to, to wrestle. It's tough, but I'm willing, God, for you to show me, right? Is because it requires, uh, right, for us, each of us, to be in an environment where we're vulnerable, where we gather, and, and the whole reason we come together is to be decided. How can I follow Jesus? How can I see his word and the promises more alive in my life, right? And so the first question out of the, uh, the shoot here, we've already talked a little bit about here, but uh, are we following the crowd? Are we following Jesus? And um, uh, boy, folks, I mean, in this time, right, with all the junk hitting us, again, what we've seen in America happening this last year is the tragedy of tragedies is so many that have been in church. It's been shown that really, really we're listening and following the crowd more than we're following Jesus. And let's just get right down to it. How about the whole political environment? Here's the deal, is that unless I'm in discipleship, unless I have a group of people around me that were wrestling with the scripture and they're holding me accountable, when I say something politically out there, the question is, is that my opinion? But as a Christian, really, I shouldn't be throwing out a political opinion. I should be most concerned about the policy and have I prayerfully brought that policy through the scripture? And is my conviction of what I say, is it, is it backed up with Scripture? Have I done my prayerful time getting hearing from God rather than hearing a podcast or hearing a newscast or hearing what culture says? And it's only in discipleship that we have to really challenge. Like, hey, man, what, what, you, you, why do you believe that? Or why, do you, you know, why are you voting that way? Or whatever it is, is to wrestle it out. That's not going to happen in church. It's not going to happen in a Bible study. Matter of fact, it might get really ugly if it happens in those environments. But in a discipleship group, small group of women, small group of men who are committed faith friends to each other, there has to be this iron sharpens iron. It has to be diving deep where we challenge each other. Why do you believe that? Have you put it through? Is that Jesus' words? Is that backed up by Scripture? Or is that just going the way of the crowd? Are you just listening to the noise and the, the radically moving, secular, progressive tidal wave that's taking over our culture? And I'm telling you, it will wipe you out if you do not have a context for really examining how you think and how God thinks. And again, I, I don't have to get into all the stats, but the, we begin with this question. And this is key to discipleship is, man... What is for, who am I really following? Who's forming my thinking on this stuff, right? And to really wrestle that out with the text as our authority. And folks, that's the other big thing right now. Today, without discipleship as being kind of a very part of the culture of the church is, you know, it is very difficult for people to really see the Bible as their authority. Their first go-to place for wisdom and knowledge rather than what? All the other things the world has to offer. And without, the whole premise of it is we're coming, circling around, here, the, and depending on the Holy Spirit to speak to us and give us his truth and iron sharpening iron to understand how to bring biblical truth into all of our thinking. So God's leading us. And so that we have clarity on this issue of, man, who am I really following? Right? And so it begins there. It's just a key question that should really permeate any of our time with others and I just ask you do you do you have those kind of relationships do you have that kind of context where somebody's really calling you out and challenging your positions your political positions right 
Again, folks, as believers, our, our issue is not, you know, there's in, there, I can't say that's private. If I do, I'm not willing to follow Jesus because nothing's, he knows everything. And I won't grow if I say, well, that's private. Or I'm not willing to go there. If any of those kind of thoughts are in my heart, guess what? I'm not ready for discipleship. I'm still holding on. I'm still Lord of that, of that piece of my life or those ideas in my life. I'm not willing to step into that, into that discussion and let God form and reform right, my thinking on, on things, right? So it begins there. And um, we move on from there to, uh, whew, all right, how about this one? So you got this big crowd. Just, just take, kind of move this scene to modern, to right now in our culture. <laughs> you've got some leaders maybe. You've got a larger group of followers. And you've got a large crowd who's gathered, right? And, uh, and it says, Jesus just turned to the crowd and, and, um, and says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What do you think about that? I, I mean, think about just where we're at in our own culture. What would be the first thing that people would say? It's hate speech. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jesus is off his rocker. Where? Uh, have, have you heard this passage preached before? I can promise you right now, you will not hear this passage preached very much across the airwaves. And so any time, let me just say, whether it's a church, whether it's somebody you listen to on the airwaves, if they avoid Jesus' main teaching on discipleship, you need to click it off. I don't care how good it makes you feel. I don't care how biblically sound it is. If they avoid all of Scripture, especially Jesus' words of discipleship, click it off. Because that proves they are tickling ears. They are concerned about the crowd making sure your watchership or whatever is more concerned to them rather than you actually having to wrestle deeply with what it means to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Now, we know, obviously, and and he says this, and again, I say this all the time because I think it's very important for us to understand, Jesus did not coddle people. He didn't coddle people. He's the most loving, amazing person ever. He's God. He created us. He loves us. But you know what? He's not going to coddle you because guess what? You're responsible. I'm responsible for my actions. I can't blame anybody. I have to make a decision of who I'm going to follow, what I'm going to do. When I hear truth, I'm responsible for my response to that. I can't blame anybody. There's no entitlement in the kingdom of God. Right? There is simply responsibility where I have to. There's grace, mercy, don't get me wrong. But I have to wrestle with the context of my sin, of my great need for God, of humility, of needing God. And when I do, God rushes in with his grace and his mercy. But there's a responsibility to that. In other words, the responsibility begins with my soul. Am I in tune with my soul? I mean, how much wrestle am I, am I really in tune? Or am I willing just to create these barriers and this isolation of comfort around me? Or am I genuinely willing to wrestle with what's going on inside my soul? And to li- have ears to hear what Jesus might say. And, and man, rather than have something like that, like m- many of what's happening in the church, we water it down. 
we just kind of water it down. Well, he didn't really mean this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we just kind of move on. Or today, people, oh, that's hate speech. You know what? I'm just going to cut that piece out of my Bible. I'm not going to deal with that. I like this abundant living thing over here. Both of those do not lead us towards discipleship, towards what Jesus calls us to. We have to take it seriously. And again, it's like our, my heart should say, Lord, I don't fully understand that statement. That just blows me away. What do you mean? And then I take that question into discipleship with others and say, help me. You've walked longer with the Lord than me. How, flesh this out. What does Jesus mean here? And again, I don't need to get into all the details of the Jewish idiom, how this is used and everything, all this idea of love and hate, how God uses those terms through the whole Bible, except to say, you know, Jesus a lot of the times uses hyperbole, shock value with people. Why? Because he wants to wake up ears. And he, he gave parables and everything else. He didn't explain to people. He threw stuff out there like a bomb, a boom, just like this. What does he want to do? He wants people, wants us to have ears, like to press in and be willing to make a journey rather than sit back, oh, that's hate speech, or oh, that's, uh, he doesn't really mean that, that's watered down, or blah, 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 whatever it is, is they will stay on the fringe and eventually they will fade away. He wants people who are willing to say, what do you mean, Jesus? How do I do that? What, what, what is the essence of, of this? And folks, I, I think the essence of it is simply this, because we see this all through the scripture, is Jesus will have no others on the throne if you're going to follow me he says i must be on the throne not yourself not your marriage not your children not those things dearest to you nothing else can be on that throne well, like, all right how do i do that how do you do that has anybody told you taught you how to do that has anybody told you how to have no other loves but Jesus? Has anybody taught you, walked with you, showed you how to have affection rise up for God? Deep heart, deep affection, just overflowing love of God, receive his love and have love for him? That's what he's talking about. Right, all the way to the book of, the, of Revelation at the end, right? He, he, he hammered the church. You've lost your first love. Come back to me. You're doing all this religious good stuff but you've lost your affection for me, right? And here's the reality. I can't love, and again, the Bible commands me to love my wife like Christ, to love Michelle like Christ, love the church. Well, how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna do that? And, and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. And ladies, maybe I should speak to the ladies. Ladies, I would not entertain a man. If he doesn't love Jesus more than you, he will never be the man you need him to be. <sighs> Oh, airways are going to go crazy. There's no exception to that. If he doesn't love Jesus more than he loves you, if he's not on that journey, right, he'll never be able to love you like Christ loved the church. And this is why, folks, in this culture today, we need to be the people who are raising up the sanctity of marriage like no before God ordained marriage because it's when a husband or, or a man and woman come together and the whole ceremony is a covenant before God. It is the man covenanting first to God to love and put him first and the woman to put God's in the middle, not before there's any horizontal love and commitment. That is beautiful because the reality is I, I, I'm, I'm a, it, I, I screwed up all the time. Right? And the only way that I can be what I need to be for Michelle is if, man, if I'm putting myself before Jesus, Lord, show me how to love. And the only way I can love is when I become more in love with God. 
Because when I'm more in love with God, guess what? More the Spirit of God is forming me and how I'm going to act and respond to her, right? And pray for her and other things. And I just want to, I, I, did, I did a little tangent, but folks, I say this loud as clear to anybody watching online here. This might sound harsh, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Ladies, I'm telling you right now, make sure that man is on a journey of loving God more than you. And vice versa, men, right? We um, had the blessing of <clears throat> our oldest, Megan, <clears throat> got engaged this last year, um, which is like, whoa, I'm old. Um, it's like I didn't already need to know that, my gray hair and everything. But <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I'm in denial. Uh, and uh, her, uh, you know, we pray for God would raise up godly spouses. And um, Jordan's his name. And <clears throat> my first conversation with him, and I just laid it out. So Jordan, here's the deal. I need to know one thing. I need to know and see that you're on a process of loving Jesus more than Megan. Right? That's all I need to know. That's it. And um, gang, Jesus is serious about this. Is he our first love? And how do we do that? And, and, and the... the the, the beautiful thing about that is his response was being discipled by his pastor and being discipled by a friend who's a Christian counselor. That's, step in, that's stepping into it. Just going to church, just going to Bible study, no. No. It's good. Needful. But you gotta be in a place where there's vulnerable, where somebody's asking the hard, hard questions iron sharpening iron of man is that word of God really becoming my authority and do I really want see am I willing inside do I really want God right folks this is the disciple this is the importance of discipleship right um, I, I, I tried to thank the first service and I think Michelle and I I mean I don't think we know of any couple where things fell apart where the husband and wife both had strong discipleship on either side going. Because that group of women are asking the hard questions to Michelle, and that group of men are asking me the hard questions. It's protection. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Right? Especially in this day where people can be a completely different person online than they are in person. How do you know who they are? Right? The church should be this beautiful, growing community of people who've been broken by the, the, you know, the dating and all that the world says out there and who's drawn into this place to see healthy families. People who've been broken but who've been restored, moving towards discipleship, seeing renewal, seeing something powerful happen in relationship according to God's promises. Right? That is the, being the light in the community. And folks, I'm here to tell you, is we, this light needs to shine now more than ever before in this nation when it comes to these issues of relationship, marriage, what healthy, vibrant relationship is all about. Right? Okay? Got off there a few tangents. So that was dating 101 or something. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, get it. All right. Um, man, what does it mean to bear our own cross? Right, verse 27, I think it is, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Woo! So um, this might be one of the most misinterpreted scriptures. Um, so uh, let me just say this. This does not mean 
how maybe, I'm sure all of us have heard, maybe some of us at different times, have, we've done it. It's like, well, I've got this sickness. This is my cross to bury. Or I've got this you know, past trauma. This is my cross. That is a misuse. That is not what this text means. Okay? Doesn't mean that. It means something much bigger. It means something much more profound in the sense of Jesus is asking us to do what he did. Now, we can never have his cross, obviously. And then the people, the, uh, this crowd listening, they, they knew, which we don't know, right? They lived in a culture where they would see regularly people dying on crosses, suffering one of the most gruesome deaths. It was part of their, their culture. So they, they knew what Jesus was saying here, which we don't. We've watered it way down, right? In other words, he's saying, look, God has given me my cross, and Jesus is on his way to that cross in Jerusalem. And he's saying, listen, you can't follow me unless you're willing to bear your own cross. In other words, God has a calling for you. He has a path for you. He has the most abundant life, the most fruitful life. He has the very best life for you, but you're going to have to lay it all down. And, and folks, again, this, like, we hear this, it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm there, I can do that, I'm in. Nobody can say that. I mean, look at the other disciples. Did, did, what, did, what did Peter do? Peter, the leader of the 12. Soon after this, he denies the Lord three times, right? I can relate to that. I get it. So the journey of discipleship was, is in process. I just have to be willing to say, Lord, I hear what you're saying, and I can't do that. I'm scared. I'm fearful. But I have to deepen my soul. I have to be willing to come to him with that. In his grace, his mercy, everything's there, right? I can't, if I step back, excuses, oh, that's for other people, or oh, that's too hard, or whatever it is, is, is I stay on the friends. I fade away quickly right even though I might stay in the crowd right for a while and um you know we talked a lot about this last time but God what is it? discipleship is fleshing this out what is it praying for each other getting words for each other right and 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 in and lining up that God's God's path for us right which is beautiful encouraging each other with that seeing revelation come for that and breakthrough for God's will and direction in our life and what does that mean for each of us individually? What is my cross, God? Man, what are those good works? What is that path you have for me, Lord? Right? And it begins in the now. And, and this is fleshed out, right, in, in discipleship. Will our faith stand? Whoa. And are we ready to meet the coming king? Big questions. Again, folks, I, I just want to emphasize, this cannot be fleshed out in a church service. This cannot be fleshed out in a Bible study. This can't be fleshed out just listening to a nice podcast at home or reading your nice little devotional book. No. It only can be fleshed out in discipleship. Where I'm willing to step into a group of men and we're like going after it. Women with women, right? So he tells two parables. The first one is this. It's like, man, you, you, this, the person is getting ready to make a tower and they have to count the cost. Do I have enough to complete this? Do I have enough to complete this? And, and his analogy is that, you know, if I don't, then it ends up, here's this half-made thing, and people are looking at mock at it, and, oh, well, somebody blew it there. They ran out of budget or something happened. But the, but the picture is really for my life. What am I building? Is my life, am I building something? Have I counted the cost? Jesus, I'm with you. I can't do it without you. That's the point. I can't build without him. Otherwise, I'm going to start building, and guess what? The storms of the world are going to come, and it's going to crumble and fall apart. And in the end, which we're seeing even now, gang, which is so sad, it's like every week there's another tragedy, another fallen leader, another screw-up, right, that just puts a, a, a huge blot on the, on the church and on the cause of Christ in, the, in this world. 
That's because they started building. And guess what? In my own experience of every situation I've been brought into of great failure, across the board, um, there was always a lack of disciples, always a lack, especially in spiritual leaders, is they get to a point, they go, oh, I don't need that anymore, or I'm not involved in that anymore. I'm about building the crowd, or I'm about other things. And as soon as they don't allow other people intimately into their life and a discipleship format, boom. Publicity, money, sex, whatever it is, whew, the world comes and wipes them out, right? And it just reveals a deficit of discipleship, right? We've got to build, and I have to, th- I, and this is why I have to ask each other, how do I want to finish well? And is the life I'm becoming, is the person I'm becoming, is it going to stand and be a light? As it says in Sermon on the Mount, is in other words, will people look at my life? Will they look at my good works? And will they continue to say, wow, Lord, we're going to glorify God. Look what he's done in your life. In other words, do you have testimony in your life of God's goodness? And is it growing towards something wonderful and beautiful, right, that will bring him glory? And folks, the reality is this is convicting for all of us, and here's the deal. I can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it alone. I need others encouraging me, protecting me, praying for me, all these things, so that I can stand when the heat comes. Without this discipleship, when the pressure especially is getting ready to come now, we're going to talk about more this summer, but I'm telling you, without it, we won't be able to stand. We'll cave. And um, he goes on, though. Folks, this next parable... We've kind of, I think over, at least from my experience, it's been kind of, kind of clumped in with this first one, just count the cost. You've got a king coming towards you, and uh, you're, you're getting ready to go to battle, and, uh, and Jesus says, look, I, what king doesn't first say, wait, can, can I win this battle? I don't know. And to, and to really count the cost of can I win this battle, and think of spiritual battle, and who doesn't first send out a delegation and ask for the terms of peace. Don't miss that. So folks, here's the deal. And this is the big time question. And I'll just say this to anybody watching online or anybody here, right? When it comes to if you haven't, if you're still kind of wrestling with this idea of who Jesus is and whether you're willing to follow him or not, what Jesus is asking us to really soak in is this big question of, is, boy, um, am I ready to stand before the coming king. Am I ready to stand when Jesus returns with all of his angels and his glory in the kingdom? Am I willing to stand? Am I able to stand before him? And folks, here's the gospel. Here's the beautiful thing is, is and here's the tragedy it should motivate us with great compassion is that people are living their life not having to really wrestle with that. There's a day of reckoning. There's responsibility for my actions in this life. I can't just run from it to, to think that I'm just going to die and, oh, peachy king, everything's whatever, you know, happens out there. No, there's a reckoning. And, it, and this should prove itself in life. We can't just run from things. There's a responsibility and there's a day coming when the king is returning and we will all stand before him. And I have to wrestle, wow, can I stand before my God, a perfect holy God who's laid his life down for me and I lived my entire life Away from him? Am I willing to do that? But here's the beauty about it, folks. The terms of peace. And this all just says, am I at peace with God? No matter when he comes, can I say I'm at peace with God? There's only one way to be at peace with God, right? 
That's to receive the most glorious free gift that could ever be given to any of us, which is what Jesus accomplished on his cross, his resurrection, salvation. By grace. We just have to receive it by faith. Yes, we have to recognize who Jesus, confess who Jesus is, what he's done for us. He's the one and only. And invite him to come and be the Lord of our life. And all through the New Testament, it repeats that Jesus came to bring shalom. He came to bring your heart, my heart, into peace with the Father. And so that salvation should be this beautiful new identity, this experience. Again, this should be fleshed out in discipleship. Who we are in Christ, what he's done for us. Right? Are you at peace with God? Because the reigning king is coming. Over and over and over again, it's very clear, is this world is at war with God. It has been from the garden. That should be very clear and evident, right, as we go throughout history to see that mankind cannot bring peace. Never. Doesn't matter how hard you try. We should try. We have to be people of peace. But mankind, doesn't matter what government, doesn't matter how smart, doesn't matter how technologically advanced we are, we will never advance peace, ever. There will always be war. Always has been. Always will be until the king of peace returns and he makes everything right again, right? But if there's any kind of lingering sense of pride that says, no, we can do this. No, my cause, I'm giving you. We can, we can do this. Mankind can. We can, we can do this. I, again, I just plead with you. Look at the history of the world. Where have we ever even come close? I just look at marriage, the state of marriage in America. Look at relationships. Look at how we can't even talk to each other. It's, it's, we can't even value one another's opinions. Whatever side you're on, whether you're blue or red, we can't even value each other's opinions. Racism. Are we any better off right now? Can we solve the racism issue, by the way? There's 40 million slaves right now active in the world. We're going to talk about this. That's a great time away with the folks from Love Justice. 40 million. Just think about it. We need the peace of God. Right? We need the peace of God. We need the gospel. We need Jesus. And discipleship is where I flesh that out in the sense of really applying that peace to my own heart and soul, right, to know where I'm at. That I'm at peace with God. I'm free. He's covered me. I can stand before him simply because of what he's done for me by faith and rejoice in that, right? Remember what we read about last week? What did Jesus say when the guys came back and they rejoiced? That man, even the demons right, flee. Or the, look at the power of healing and everything. What did you say? Hey, that's awesome, but wait, you need to rejoice most that your names are written in heaven. That you're known by the Father. And to really let that, the love of the Father sink in, folks, it's not going to happen completely in a church service. It's not going to happen in a Bible study. It's only going to happen when you're really wrestling with this deeply of our own what's going on in prayer and ministry and all those, those kinds of things. So much more we could say there. <laughs> How about this one? So therefore, any one of you who desires not to renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoa. I was just like one wave after another. What's the point? Jesus is basically trying to get people to humble ourselves. Look, with God, please, Lord Jesus, I'm willing, you need to show me, Holy Spirit, how to do this. And that means I'm stepping into community. Not some, there's never this individual, just me and Jesus thing. 
It's the course of deception. I need, he works through you to impact and transform me, right? And um, man, to renounce all, what the heck does that look like? That's scary, right? And so folks, these are the kind of things that have to be set up. Let me just give one example. Is who challenges the way you spend your money? That's good. That's good. Yes, mine too, by the way. I'm the spender. She's the saver. No, but, but honestly, who challenges you with how you spend your money? Who is wrestling and praying with you to really add this? Hey, because this is just open-handed living. Am I living open-handed? Lord, everything is a blessing from you. God, I rejoice. Oh my gosh, the abundance. We're the most affluent people who have ever walked on the face of the earth. You know that? We have more blessing than any people ever in all the history of the world. Wow. What do I do with that, God? What do I do with that? And you know what? For some people, Jesus said, you need to go sell everything. Whoa. Whoa. Very few. Most, he just said, you just need to switch where your treasure is. You're right? And the whole idea of tithing and giving, right? This isn't about keeping the lights on in a church. It's a discipleship issue. Ultimately, it's who is the Lord of my money? And Jesus says, give your first fruits. It's like, who is the Lord of my money? And if you don't have a discipleship where you can have open, honest conversation like this, guess what? You will serve mammon, not God. I know from personal experience. And you'll never experience the bountiful gates of heaven open up flooding blessing in your life. Right until there's this understanding of renouncing God. It's open. This is yours, God. This is yours. And, and to be able to show it, right, that that's the case. See how that works? I mean, I could go, we could go over many different subjects in life, but hey, money's a big one, right? Right? And um, we as individuals, we think, well, that's private. That's private. And again, as I said, we're not ready for discipleship or following Jesus if there's any area in my life that's too private. I'm, that's, I'm keeping that right here. I just plead with you, if that's your thought on any issue, whatever the issue is, when you say, I keep it right here, you know what? You're giving the enemy ground to keep you in bondage. And he will beat the tar out of you. I'm here to tell you. Whether it's your relational life, whether it's your vocational life, whatever. If you have this attitude, this is mine. Right? The old guy that was baptized and all, everything went out, he had his wallet out of the water, right? Is that whole thing. Is, you know what? He's going to beat you up. He's going to beat you up. And again, it's a process, right? It's a process. Final thing. Um, are we learning to live from and living for Jesus? And uh, folks, this is this idea of saltiness. And basically what, what Jesus is saying here is, man, if you don't, if you don't take these discipleship questions seriously, you know what? You're, you're going to grow. This is harsh, but this is what Jesus is saying. You're going to grow in being in your uselessness for God. I'm either becoming more useful for God or I'm becoming useless to God. That's just a reality. Am I becoming something that God wants to use and bless and move and and give great opportunity to or am I more and more just consumed by the world and my little world? And and salt, you are the salt of the earth, he says. You're to bring life and to bring, and and me as well, right? Uh, This this life and this preserving and this, right? This thing that that, that is alive and well. And man, if I I disregard these these things and, and what it means to follow Christ is, 
my life, I waste life. I don't know about you, but there, if there's anything that's been hitting me, it's because I'm getting older. Um, I just don't want to waste life. It's precious. And I know that I'm going to stand before my Lord who's given me bountiful blessing and opportunity. Lord, I, I just want to be faithful. And guess what? I can't do that unless I have others who are on this journey with me, calling me out, encouraging me, praying. Right? All those things. So I just leave these with you. Hope you'll take them. And um, again, let me just say, with all dare y'all can come on it. With all that's in me, I, I, listen. None of us, myself included, I read this stuff and I'm like, Lord, I got to start over. I feel like I'm wow. And folks, you know what? That should be our response to this. Is like that is overwhelming. Help me, God. Increase my faith, God. But the practical step is I have to be willing to put myself into a group of men, ladies, with a group of ladies. Let's go for it. Who's hungry? Who wants, to, who wants to have Jesus do something here, right? And to really get real and see the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to become all that he has for us, right? It just starts with a willingness. A willingness to say, I'm, I'm in, I, want, I want to be all in. God, I don't know if I can. I'm surely not there right now, but I'm willing. Lord, I want Help me. What does it look like, right? To be all in. So um, I, hope, uh, I hope that's encouraging in a convicting way, right? That's for me all week long. It's been like, Lord, whoa. But see, that, that just grows a dependence on him. That's what we need, a dependence on the spirit of God to be what he wants us to be. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can try as hard as you want. You can't. I can't. So I wanted us to do something a little different this morning um, in light of this message, just as we close out this service. But um, most of the time, communion for us is kind of a, a family time. Gather with your friends and family and celebrate together. And, um, <clears throat> but this morning, in light of this message, I, I want to do something different with this table. Next week, we're going to move to the section where Jesus gathers his 12 around the table. Right? It actually, technically, in the Hebrew calendar, next Sunday, as I said, is part of Passover. What I want to do this morning is just take some time. Guys are going to play and, um, um, and just put yourself at that table. You know, Revelation says, man, I, Jesus is knocking at the door. He's knocking at the door. He wants us, to, us. He requires us to open the door. He says he'll come in and dine with us. Wow. And just take some time and, and, and just let the Spirit of God speak to you. Get honest before God. And as He leads you, let's individually come. Just as the Lord leads us to the table, get the juice and bread. And you can go wherever you want, just come back to your seat. But just have this, as we close our time, just have an intimate time with God. You and Jesus at the table. As we all do this, right, together in community, right? So Father... Just thank you for this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that we'd have ears. Give me ears, Lord. Give us all ears to hear what you say, Lord. Man, increase our hunger, God. Lord, you have nothing but goodness for us. Though it might seem hard and scary, it's good. And it's for eternity. Lord, bind the lies. Bind the hesitations. Let us go headlong after you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now. Do your work. Increase our affection. Jesus, let us be overwhelmed by your body, what you did for us, the blood you shed for us. 
It's a free gift for the taking. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's have fellowship with you now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.